you may be surprised to learn that there are several believers today that are not completely sure that they are saved. They are not completely certain that when they die, they will go to heaven. You may even be one of those people. Well, in today's episode of Hardcore Christianity, Jerry and I attempt to answer the question, how do you know for sure that you are saved? We'll discuss why there may be confusion among believers about the state of their salvation. We'll explore how the Bible says we are to be saved. We'll address any who are unsure about their salvation. And we'll talk about how we should go about leading someone to Christ in a way that puts this question to rest. If you've ever been in doubt about whether you are truly saved, if you have questions about how to lead someone to Christ, or if you just want to dispel all of the confusing terminology and theology, you want to stick around for this episode of Hardcore Christianity. Well, Jerry, I want to thank you once again for joining me for Hardcore Christianity. And today we'll be talking and addressing the topic of being saved. We'll be trying to answer the question, how do you know for sure that you are saved? So I think before we get started, I wanted to to at least talk to you and, and mention how important I think this episode is. I mean, this episode to me is is as important as the one that I'd done earlier on why is the Bible truth and what does it mean to sin because salvation is such a, a foundational um, belief in the Christian's life. So if there are those who are out there listening and um, need to have answers to this, this is a very, I would say, a very important episode to pay attention to. So how are we defining the word saved? What would you say? Well, from a Christian perspective, being saved is based on a relationship with and accepting Jesus Christ as our Redeemer or sacrifice for our sins, and then helping us through the Holy Spirit live a life of gratitude for what Christ did for us. What's interesting, though, in our culture, uh, in order to be saved, we need to know we need saving. Mm-hmm. And I likened it to if I was swimming in the ocean and people see sharks swimming around me, I may not know the danger uh, that I'm in. and may not know that I need saving, even though others can see it. Uh, and I, I like this verse that I saw, and I, I really like the New Living Translation and the way it's said. And some people might be familiar with it, but where Jesus talked about, I didn't come for the, the those who are healthy or well. Uh, it says, Jesus said, I have come not to call those who think they are righteous, but to those who know they are sinners and need to repent. Mm-hmm. I like what you said about... Uh... Um, you know, what we, what do you need to be saved from? I, I'd, when we did the episode, I'd done a, an episode with Andy earlier on in the, in the series about hell. And, I, and one of the questions I pose is, if there is no hell, what are we being saved from? So when I, look at, when I think of the, the phrase saved, that's kind of what comes to my mind. But I want to bring up, um, I think mountpleasant.org did an amazing job of kind of addressing this question. So I'm just going to read their quote uh, and see what you think about it. It says, Many people struggle with the question, what does it mean to be saved? First of all, salvation or being saved is more than just having knowledge of who Jesus is or accepting the fact that Jesus is alive or that God sent him to the world to die for our sins. You cannot be saved unless you confess or agree with God that you are a sinner, lost on your way to hell, and you are in need of a savior. Salvation takes place the very moment that you accept and embrace Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, totally trusting in the complete and finishing work of Jesus, receiving his life, death, burial, and glorious resurrection as full payment for your past, present, and future sins. Okay, 
in in the episode. That's it. <laughs> I think that the, I think that they did a really good job of uh, kind of addressing that. And I think I want to add uh, Romans chapter ten verses nine through ten, which I think should always go with um, um, understanding uh, what it means to be saved. And it says. If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. Amen. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, you know, it just seems so easy, uh, the idea of being saved. And I think about those two things I just read. And to me, it's all inclusive, and it helps you to uh, truly understand what it means to be saved in a simple, concise way. But even still, there are questions in people's minds about whether they are saved. So um, I guess we should go on and ask the question, why are we even asking this question about uh, how, um, how do you know for sure you're being saved? What would you say? Well, we live in a culture that's putting uh, less and less value on spiritual faith, especially Christianity. And it's much more accepting to life choices that a generation or two ago would think would be unthinkable. Uh, also, many younger people are more concerned uh, about what social media says about them and less concerned about their faith practice or what God says about them. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, and I did take something from uh, what Bright had given us. Uh, the religious landscape of the United States continues to change at a rapid clip. In Pew Research Center telephone surveys conducted in 2018 and 2019, of American adults describe themselves as Christians when asked about their religion, down 12 percentage points over the past decade. Meanwhile, the religious-affiliated, unaffiliated share of the population consists of people who describe their religious identity as either atheist, agnostic, or nothing in particular, now stands at 26% up from 17%, so almost that 12% Hmm decreased to uh, to 11% increase uh, from the other end. And uh, both Protestants and Catholics are experiencing losses of population Mm -hmm. share. Mm -hmm. Yes. Well, you know, one of the reasons, the the main reason I decided to do an episode on how do you know for sure that you are saved is because of a conversation I had with my uncle one day. Um, He is a uh, a former pastor, and I think he still does it a little bit um, even still. But... um, as he was visiting other churches and talking with other people um, and other congregations and even some denominations, he was surprised that there were those in the church who didn't know for sure that they were saved. I mean, these are people who may have been going to church for years, uh, people who who, who are uh, um, followers of Christ, uh, but if you pose the question to them, how do you know for sure that you are saved? they may be tongue-tied or, or even clueless, and they may even be doubtful of their own salvation. They may not know sure. if they are truly saved or not. So I thought that this topic was very pertinent um, to those, and I would say um, probably more of the um, the, one, the believers who are not mature in their faith and still questioning whether they are saved or not. But it could also be even for some who have been um, following Christ for a long time, but still are a little bit unsure about uh, whether they are saved or not. And uh, there are three reasons why I think we're asking this question. I'll pose them to you and see what you think about them. Uh, the first one is, is that I think that we have had questionable teaching on the topic. And this uh, is a quote from uh, the gospelcoalition.org uh, from an article that was written by a person called William Bokenstein. And the topic was, are only a few people saved? I think it bears me reading this entire thing. It's not that long, but I I think I want to share the whole thing. 
It says, the Bible, clear, the Bible clearly teaches that not all people are saved. Instead, uh, the saved are a remnant according to elected grace. Historic confessions teach, that, uh, teach what has sometimes been called as limited atonement, that the saving intent of Christ's sacrifice on the cross is limited to the elect, those for whom he had died. But does all this mean the elect remnant is small compared to the number of those lost? And why does this question matter? What happens in our lives and ministries if we believe God is stingy with grace? If only a few are saved, should we be suspicious of people's claims of salvation? And he uses Matthew chapter 7, verse 13 through 14 for his argument. And it says, um, enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction and many enter it. Um, but small is the gate and narrow the road uh, that leads to life and only a few find it. So I read that quote, uh, which to me is, is him saying that really only the elect are saved. Um, I think that could be confusing because I think it's inaccurate. And I think uh, when people hear teachings like this, then they will um, be confused as to their state of salvation. And I'm not saying that this is the only thing that is said out, out there that is confusing, but I think that it could also be confusing if you've re- read other things that are did not necessarily line up with Scripture. And so I think that one of the reasons that people question their salvation is because it's questionable. there's questionable teaching out there. I would agree. Another reason, I would say, is because there are questionable claims. And uh, many people claim to be Christian, um, but their definition of Christian varies uh, from merely believing that Jesus exists to saying that he does exist without their hearts really being in it. So it kind of reminds me of Acts chapter 19, verse 13 through 15, where some Jews who went around driving out evil spirits tried to invoke the name of Jesus um, over those who were demon-possessed. They would say, in the name of Jesus, whom Paul preaches, I command you to come out. Um, Seven sons of Sceva, a Jewish chief priest, were doing this. One day, the evil spirit answered them, Jesus I know, and Paul I know about, but who are you? So I think that there are people who think they're Christians, or at least claim they're Christians, and say, I'm a Christian, but are you really a Christian? I mean, do you really believe that Jesus died for your sins? Are you really trying to follow the path? Are you a believer in Christ? The example in uh, Acts that uh, Paul that's talking about that Paul had uh, that had been dealt with here is someone who claimed to be you know using Paul as their leverage uh, uh, to be um, have authority over these demons, and I think that there are some people who um, who have a false sense of of claim um, of who of whether they're a believer or not, and I'm wondering if there are some people who who have that in their life and are questioning whether they're a believer or not. And then one last one. Yeah, good. Um, is uh, questionable definitions. So um, there are claims that there are differences between being saved and being born again, as if those are two separate uh, definitions. Greater.emmanuel, I'm sorry, greater-emmanuel.org says this in part. It says, there is a difference between being saved and being born again. And so I think that uh, for um, believers, when the terminology is used in different ways, that can be confusing to some. So questionable teaching, questionable mm-hmm. claims, and then questionable definitions, I think, all come into, are some elements that come into play. Sure. Uh, as you were talking, it reminded me of a sermon. One of the guys came to our 
happened to be a Sunday night service. Uh, but as he was speaking, he said, you know, he said, I was saved in 2001. He said, but I surrendered in 2006. And we all want the benefits of salvation. Mm -hmm. We don't always want to give up whatever it is we're holding on to. Uh, and the old uh, biblical hymn, uh, I Surrender All. Mm -hmm. And most of us would have to say, I surrender all, but... Mm -hmm. And then you can put whatever you want after the but. But it's whatever we won't release, whatever we won't give up, that will be our stumbling block. Hmm. Uh, and, and that's what, uh, if you remember the parable of the rich young ruler, right? his stumbling block was his money. Mm -hmm. And he wanted he wanted to follow Christ. He wanted to do, he, he had lived a life and whatever, but his money was still in control mm -hmm. and he couldn't give it up. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I think there are a lot of, Unfortunately, I believe that there is a lot of confusion about, um, you know, being saved or what are the steps? I mean, do I have to be perfect? You know, whatever it may be. Uh, I, I said the words. Did I mean the words? Mm -hmm. um, am I still saved now, even after all I've done? Uh, just a lot of different things I think come into play that can bring up um, questions in the, and, and even doubts in the, in, the, in the minds of believers. But I want to ask you, what do you think? Uh, why do you think there is confusion concerning this topic? Do you have any thoughts on that? Well, first thing that comes to mind is that we tend to want to look at a scale and say, I did more good than I did bad. And so obviously God's going to accept me because, you know, look at it. I did all these good things. And uh, we think about the where Christ talked about, uh, you, know, you said you do all these things, but I don't know you mm -hmm. uh, because, uh, or, or when he said, uh, I when did we not? Or when did we see you and not uh, offer you a cup of water or whatever? He said, "Whenever you didn't do them to the least of someone right. else." Mm -hmm. uh, so, you know, are we are we living our faith? Um, and so th this whole thing of balancing—did I am I was I good enough? Um, but there's nothing that we can ever do that will earn our way to heaven, and um, short of accepting what God has done for us. So we don't do works of our good works to earn our way. We do good works to show our gratitude for what Christ has done for us. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, I think that there are several Christians who have been taught different things by different people, not using the Bible as our guide or misinterpreting what the Bible says. And I think that that is a, a big problem, um, not only for this topic, but for a lot of different topics. But this is of course, the major foundation of our of our faith, and I think that if you are being being taught by diff different things by different people, then you have to start trying to figure out which one's right, or um, uh, am I in line with with what? Can, can they all be right? And then if someone misinterprets the Bible, then I think that that too can be a stumbling block to those. So, which is another reason why. Um, Every believer should read the Bible for themselves and allow the Holy Spirit to teach them. But I know that there may be some who, who don't read the Bible as often as they probably would want. Another reason is I think that, um, that people doubt their salvation, maybe over time. Um, I believe that people can believe, can't, they can't believe that, oh, is it really this simple? Is it really just as simple as just believing in Jesus and accepting what he did for me? And uh, it's a difficult concept to understand because we don't understand the mind of God and, and we don't operate the way that God does. So people may begin to question their faith um, because 
it's easy to begin to, to depend on our own personal behavior, like you were kind of saying, sure. and whether our personal behavior is makes us good enough because we can't understand. It's not in our human our human uh, psyche to, to to accept someone uh, even you know just because of grace. Uh, I actually um, I don't know. I, I'm sure other people have done this too, but there have been times when um, I would. Uh, my wife would just be gone. She just, she just, it's almost as if she disappeared. And I'm like, where did you go? Did, were you raptured? Did I get <laughs> yeah. left behind? And, and, and that kind of a, a thought pattern is a level of doubt. And I think, well, you can't really, I mean, do you really think that, uh, um, that your wife has been raptured without you? I don't think I think that, but there are times when I, when it starts to raise a little flag and I'm thinking, oh, she couldn't have just disappeared and I could have and gone to heaven and I'm left behind. But I just thought that that was interesting because I think that mo- that through the the course of of a believer's life, there may come a time when doubt may raise its ugly head, and I think that may be one reason why people question their salvation. And it is, you know, it is not always taught. I mean, as as to how we are to become a believer, oftentimes it is assumed that everyone. I don't know how many churches you've gone to or how many services you've gone to, but. Oftentimes, when I go into a church service, it all is almost assumed that the, everyone in the church is believers. Right. And uh, even after an altar call, um, it's not really well explained. Sometimes uh, people will say, you know, if you if you um, do not know Christ and you need Him, you know, come up front or whatever. Uh, but it's not really well explained in the in the uh, the context of the service what that really means. So, how many people are actually going up and? And saying that uh, you know I give my life to Christ, and not really truly understanding what it is that they are doing and what the process is, and uh, oftentimes uh, pastors will say, "Well, if you've made that commitment um, and you've come forward, um, I'll be up front or I'll talk to you, or there's prayer people who can explain a little bit more." Mm-hmm. But I'm wondering how many people actually follow up on that. I mean. I don't know how many people would. So if you, you know, if someone becomes saved because they have a fill a prompting in their heart and they say the words, and there's no explanation or some some way to explain what it is that they just did, I can see how people could um, over time, or at least even maybe even right away, begin to wonder: Now, did I really do it? Did it take? You know, am I saved? <laughs> right. So those things can can come up. And one last one last reason that I think that people can be confused as to whether they are saved or not is um, people are led to Christ um, in different ways. And some can be led to Christ by immature believers. People don't know really how to explain uh, things to you. Um, I actually had, uh, I was in a church where I was really young um, and even young in the faith. And uh, there was a group of kids who had raised their hand to be saved. And so I was told to go over there and talk to them. And I had no idea what I was doing. So I began to tell them what I think or uh, people should say about, you know, you come to Jesus, you know, and, and he'll change your life, you know, things will be different. And uh, giving a pitch that really isn't necessarily biblical, but it's something that I've heard over and over again, and I think this must be the way to do it. And I think um, some people may have come to Christ with someone inexperienced like I was, um, trying to lead them in a way that's bumbling and wrong. And I know the Holy Spirit does the drawing, but there has to be some kind of an educated uh, person on the other end leading someone to Christ, someone who really knows um, the theological accuracy of what it is that they're saying, so that when someone does become saved, 
they don't have to question, well, did I really, was I really saved? I mean, did I say the right words? Is there some words I need to say? You know, is there some order in which I need to do something? And uh, people get confused as to, as to whether they're saved or not afterwards. One of the things, and uh, as we were talking about uh, the question of, uh, you know, the, the confusion on it, and I was, uh, there was a verse in James that says, thus also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. And as I think about that, it's not the works that save us, mm-hmm. but, uh, and I, I'll relate it to exercise. If I want to be an athlete, I've got to, I've got to do some things. I've got to get out of my comfort zone. I've got to uh, lift some weights. I've got to run, whatever it might be, uh, so that I can become better. And our faith is like a muscle. If I don't exercise my faith, it will shrink. Mm-hmm. If I exercise it, it will grow. And, uh, and not only do I get to benefit, but the person, whoever I'm dealing with, we all benefit. Uh, so it's important that we, uh, we continue to grow in our faith. Mm-hmm. It's not, a I did it once and I'm, I'm good for life. I think we need to continue to share our faith, uh, which is part of exercising it, and we need to grow in our own faith. And for me, um, and I've been going out to the just, just about 10 years now, I have grown more in my faith in those 10 years than I have in the 40 or so years before that when I wasn't using my gifts as much as I was or I am in the jail. Mm-hmm. Well, this question isn't even on our list, but I, I want to ask you, how important is it, do you think, for people to be so solid in their faith? I mean, is it is it natural or is it even okay for people to start to question whether they are saved or not? I mean, that's what this whole episode is based on, but I never really thought about the idea of what should people think about, how should they think about themselves if they are find themselves in, in the place of questioning faith? Well, I think as we, as we continue to uh, practice our faith, continue to grow in our faith, that um, those questions will in themselves be taken care of. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it's, it's anything. I mean, uh, and we'll go back to sports. The more I practice, the luckier I get, right? <laughs> uh, but as I, as I continue to experience God working through different things that happen. Uh, I know, and when we're out to the jail and we're talking to guys, I might be talking to the guy across from me, but the guy behind me might be listening. Mm-hmm. My, my charge is not to make anybody do anything. Mm-hmm. I don't save anybody. Mm-hmm. Exactly. God uses me, and people might get saved through, through, um, through the Holy Spirit working through me. Uh, but if somebody asked me how many people have I ever saved, none. Mm-hmm, exactly. Uh, and so just being willing to open up mm-hmm. and to share and to allow God to use that in however way he will use it. Mm-hmm. Because many times we don't know the person that I'm talking to, they might listen to what we're saying, and it might take a year before they ever go and say, you know, what did he say? Okay, now I mm-hmm. get it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, yeah, just be willing to be... Uh, faithful in sharing whatever it is God yep. gives you. I'm glad we're doing this episode because I think it is important for believers to be solid in their faith, to, to not doubt. And I think that if there are those who are doubting and aren't sure, I think that uh, at least in the second half of this episode, we're really going to address um, address that. And hopefully by the end of this episode, if you are questioning your faith, you will not have any questions anymore. Um, the last question I want to ask in this, in this first part is, um, is the term saved 
different from the term born again or different from the term Christian or believer or Christ follower. I know that there are a lot of different terminologies that are sure. that are thrown around, and so I want to kind of dis- dispel any confusion about uh, the terminologies. So what are your thoughts about the different terminologies? Is there a difference between these different terminologies? Well, first of all, I think being saved takes all these points into consideration or into practice. Uh, each is part of our lives once we surrender our will and accept Christ's sacrificial life and death. But you can also be a Christ follower without being a Christian. Uh, I recently <laughs> read a book called The Confession of a, Jesus, uh, of a Secular Jesus Follower. Oh. And uh, the author, Tom Krattenmaker, uh, he writes for USA Today, states that he is not a Christian. Wow. But he believes that the example Christ set is a great role model. And he has no issue with Jesus as a role model. Hmm. That is interesting. Because I, I was thinking, you know, the different terminologies can be confusing to mm-hmm. some. And I hate the idea that there are so many different uh, terminologies. Um, yeah, I remember hearing the term evangelical Christian for the first time, I don't know, several months ago. I'm like, what? what's the difference between a Christian and an evangelical Christian? Why are we using all this different ter- terminology to mean the same thing? So it was always always my contention that all of those different uh, titles meant the same thing. Sure. But I think, and I, you know, it's not a problem we can solve on this episode of Hardcore Christianity. But I think that Christians should be consistent in what we say things are. And I, like I mentioned earlier, um, there are authors out there who think that being saved is different from being born again. And I'm thinking, how is that possible? They're the same thing. And if we begin to use different terminology, I think that can trip people up, especially young believers, and trying to figure out, well, I, they, they told me I was saved, but this is saying that I'm supposed to be born again. You know, what's, I, am I not born again? And so hopefully um, the church will be consistent and, uh, and say what they mean and mean what they say, and it be uh, a simple thing. So my contention is, and I hear what you're saying, and I, and I agree with what you're saying. That's, that's interesting that someone would call himself a Christ follower and not be a believer. But um, my thought is that they all mean the same thing. I mean, generally, almost all the time, they mean the same thing. So I use them interchangeably, and I'm not sure if that's good or bad. But Well, it's interesting. I heard one time that uh, if you're in a group of Muslims, if you call yourself a Christian, it's different than calling yourself a follower of Christ. Huh. Because you can call yourself a follower of Christ, they have no issue with that, because they recognize <laughs> uh, Christ as a prophet. Okay. Uh, but if you call yourself a Christian, now you've considered him uh, equal with God, and now they have a problem. Okay. Well, I think you know from now on, I'll probably stay away from the Christ follower uh, identifier and stick with Christian, believer, um, born again, and saved. But I think that at least those four probably could still mean the same thing. Well... When we come back, we'll discover how the Bible says we are to be saved. We'll hopefully help any believer who isn't sure about their salvation become absolutely certain. And we'll talk about how we go about leading others to Christ in a way that should leave no doubt about their salvation. So stay with us. If you'd like to let us know your thoughts about this episode, or if you have an episode topic that you'd like to hear us talk about on the show, feel free to drop us an email at writecmv at hotmail.com. That's W-R-I-T-E-C-M-V at Hotmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Listen to half-hour episodes of the Christian Music Podcast online 
or download them to your computer or mobile device and take them with you. Discover independent Christian artists while exercising, commuting to work, doing chores, or any time you need to get your Christian music fix. Just go to ktfproductions.com and find the Christian Music Podcast link to access the Christian Music Podcast. Boldly proclaim your faith while also supporting the Hardcore Christianity Podcast. Find Hardcore Christianity t-shirts, hoodies, tank tops, smartphone cases, pillows, mugs, and more. Just go to the Hardcore Christianity page at ktfproductions.com for links to the store. Today, Jerry and I are attempting to answer the question, how do you know for sure you are saved? In the first part of the show, we discuss why this might be confusing for some. We attempted to parse through the confusing terminology, and we shared our personal thoughts on why total assurance in our salvation can be fleeting. But in this segment, we'll begin by taking a closer look at how the Bible says we are to be saved. So Jerry, what would you say that the Bible, what does the Bible say about how we are to be saved? Sure, a couple of scriptures come to mind. Uh, the first one says, So they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved, you and all your family, which comes from Acts 16.31. And then also, uh, For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved, Romans 10.13. And mm-hmm. I think you might have referenced yeah. that earlier. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, I have a little more detailed um, roadmap uh, to what I think the Bible says about um, how to be saved. Uh, in Mark chapter 10, verses 25 through 27, it addresses the idea that we are, it is impossible for us to save ourselves. Uh, so first it says, mm, <clears throat> it is easier for a camel to go through an eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were even more amazed and said to each other, who then can be saved? And Jesus looked at them and said, with man, this is impossible, but not with God. All things are possible with God. And this kind of references the rich young ruler portion of scripture that you mentioned earlier. But I bring it up so that people who are questioning how the, what the Bible says about how we are to be saved is the first step is understanding that we cannot save ourselves. It is impossible for us, but with God, all things are possible. And then the other thing I want to po- next thing I want to point out is that Jesus paid the price. It says in Romans chapter five verses eighteen through nineteen. Consequently. Just as one trespass resulted in condemnation for all people, so also one righteous act resulted in justification and life for all people. For just as through the disobedience of one man, the many were made sinners, so also through the obedience of the one man, the many were made righteous. So through Jesus, he is the, the one man that makes us righteous. Hebrews 9.22 goes on to say, In fact, the law requires that nearly everything be cleansed with blood. And without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. So, of course, we needed Jesus to pay the price, and he shed, he shed his, his blood for us. Uh, Hebrews explains that without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. And Romans um, explains that uh, he is the one who, through his obedience, we are all made righteous. So, Jesus paid the price for us all. Uh, the next portion I wanted to point out is that um, it has to deal with our heart and our mouth. In Romans chapter 10, verse 9 through 10, I think you kind of alluded to this a little bit too. It says, If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. 
For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. And I think that is one of the the most um, obvious uh, uh, portions of scripture that explain what it means to be saved. But it is with our heart and with our mouth that we profess and claim that we are believers. And if you, you know, I think that that's important to be pointed out. Next is that we will be changed. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 19 through, 17 through 19, it says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone, and the new is here. All this is from God, who reconciled us through himself, through Christ, and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sin against him, and he has committed us to the message of re- reconciliation. So, all things have passed away, um, and now all things have become new. Once we become a believer, we are changed and got through the whole power of the Holy Spirit. And last thing I wanted to point out is that we are now indwelt. In Romans chapter 8, verses 5 through 10, it says, Those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires, but those who live according to the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind governed by the flesh is death but the mind governed by the spirit is life and peace. The mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the realm of the flesh, but are in the realm of the spirit, if indeed the spirit of God lives in you. If anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, they cannot belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, then even though your body is subjected to death, because of sin, the Spirit gives life because of righteousness. So it speaks to the idea that once you become saved, the Spirit now indwells you, and uh, and if you have the Spirit, then you are then that is an evidence of you being saved. Well, it's interesting because my wife had uh, given me a verse at Second Corinthians first twenty two, and this is from the New Living Translation, and He has identified us as His own by placing the Holy Spirit in our hearts as the first installment that guarantees everything he has promised us. Mm-hmm. Yes, absolutely. So I think that these, hopefully, if uh, anyone is questioning what the Bible says about how we're to be saved, this is a this isn't exhaustive. There's a lot of, of different um, portions of scriptures, a lot of different uh, uh, highlights that explain this. But I think when I was looking through, um, these to me kind of explain the path um, and to, of how to understand that you are saved. So, and just uh, just the, the fact that it is impossible for us to save ourselves, the fact that Jesus paid the price, and the idea that when we confess with our mouth and believe in our heart that He died for us, that we are saved, and that we are now changed, we are new creations. We're not the old; we're, the old is gone, and that now we are indwelt with the Holy Spirit. We now have the Holy Spirit living inside of us. Those are the evidences of how we are to be saved, in my opinion. Uh, not just my opinion, but the Bible's opinion too. <laughs> so, what would you say? What would what would be your way of of um, saying to someone who still isn't sure that they are going to heaven when they die? What would you say to them? Well, I think it's called the Romans Road. I've heard it in the past, but uh, and then as we talked about earlier in the first part of the episode, uh, that what do I need to be saved from? Mm-hmm. Why do I need to be saved? And uh, Romans three twenty C says. Um, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So we're not pointing out at you and saying you're a sinner. We're saying we're all sinners mm-hmm. and we're all in need of grace. Mm-hmm. And then uh, from there we go, uh, for the wages of sin is death, 
but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord, and that's from Romans 6.23. Mm-hmm. And then you would go to Romans 10 from there as far as, uh, you know, as we talked about earlier. Uh, For whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So I guess, first of all, knowing we're sinners, understanding what the uh, penalty of sin is, and then knowing through Christ we can be saved. Amen. You know, like I said, there's no exhaustive way uh, to understand what the Bible is saying about how we are to be saved. But if someone is still unsure and wondering whether they, uh, if they're going to, when they die, are they going to heaven? I would say one of the first things I would say is it's not you. It is all God as to whether you're, you know, admittance into heaven. It's nothing you can do. Ephesians um, 2.8 says, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, um, and this is not from yourselves. It is a gift from God, not by works, so that no one can boast. And I think that is so powerful because um, it just points out the truth that it isn't us. It's all God. And, and, and he even points, he, he's so blatant about the idea that it is God because it's not by works so that no one can boast. And uh, so hopefully that erases anything uh, in your mind who, that might be thinking, well, there's something I got to do. What do I got to do? What do I have, how do I have to behave? How do I have to perform? How do I earn salvation? That is definitely one thing that points out that. I was thinking about this the other day. When do we take our car to a mechanic or when do we go to a doctor? Do we go to the mechanic and say, look how great my car is running and, and I'm just, everything's perfect and I, I just want you to know that? Mm-hmm. Or do we go to our doctor and say, man, I just feel great and I thought, thought I'd stop by and let you know. <laughs> no, we go when we're sick. When right. we, and when we know that there's an issue, we take it to the person who can solve that issue. And when we understand that we're sinners, there's only one mechanic or doctor that we can Absolutely. go to. Absolutely, amen to that. I also think about the idea that... Um, um, we are known not necessarily by what we do, but who we are born to. And I think about um, the royal family. I always bring this up because I, it, it kind of <laughs> it irritates me how much our world focuses on a family and children that are just famous only because of who they were born to. Sure. But the idea is, is that these children of the royal family are only royal because of who they were born to. So us as well, um, we are now... Uh, sons and daughters of God. We are sons and daughters of our Lord. And so how would you treat your own sons and daughters? We didn't earn it. No, we were, right. we, you know, it's not like we chose who we were born to. It's like we, we don't choose who we're born to in life. But the family comparison as to who you were born to kind of makes you who you are. And, and as far as value is concerned, when God calls us our, his sons and daughters, it is because of that identification that makes us um, valuable and important to him, not because of what we've done. And I think that a lot of people might, uh, and and rightfully so, I mean, I think it myself is, what can I do to please God? How is it that I can, I wouldn't say earn my way, but how is it that I can prove them a Christian or make God happy or make him like me better? And uh, this is, I don't have any children of my own. But I do know people who do, and it and it, and I'm a son myself. And it doesn't matter; it matters who I'm born to. They love me regardless. So I think that uh, if we think about God loving us because we are now called sons and daughters of His, that should help us to understand where we're going when we die. And I would say also to believe and don't doubt. Uh, I've bring this up in so many episodes 
not only of this, but other podcasts as well, is Hebrews 11, 6, which says, And without faith, it is impossible to please God, because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Faith is so important. And I know it's easy to doubt our our standing with him because we are sinful people. We fall all the time. Some people are in habitual sin. Some people have been away from God for such a long time. Some people don't know if you've said the right things. And um, But the idea is, is it comes down to the heart and it comes down to our faith. And uh, without faith, it's impossible to please him. So examine your faith and, and do not doubt uh, once you have given your life over to Christ. One thing the, uh, the chaplain at uh, the jail, he gave a uh, sermon before he became chaplain. And in the sermon, he said basically that as humans, we try to earn our way to God. Mm-hmm. And it's impossible. Right. He said, understand that there's nothing you can do to make God love you anymore. And there is nothing you can do to make God love you any less. But you can live a life of gratitude for what he's done. Mm-hmm. And, and when you look at it that way, it's, it's a little bit different uh, take on it. Because when I'm trying to earn my way... I'm doing it under my own strength. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I'm living a life of gratitude, it's Christ living through me yeah. or the Holy Spirit working through me. That's good. But it is also, I mean, I can understand the, 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 the thought pattern. It's hard to, to, <laughs> to accept something of such grand importance uh, when it has nothing to do with your, with your, your works. It's just hard to, hard to get there, but it's the God we serve, which I'm so glad that he is that way. But see, it's a gift. Is a gift. And if I give you something and you don't accept it, is it a gift? Mm, right. <laughs> the gift is one that it's accepted. And, uh, and so we, we show appreciation for the gift. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I believe that in, if in your heart you want to be a son or daughter of the Lord, then you will be. Because in Romans chapter 8, verses 38 and 39, it says, For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor death, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. So if you, if you believe in your heart, I mean, this is, this is what makes salvation so easy, is because... It's not what people say about you. It's not people telling you that you're a believer. You should know because it is it is your belief. Do you? I mean, everyone should know whether you believe in Christ or not. Do you believe whether you believe it that He died for your sins or not? So it is one of those things that if you really believe that, then you should know that you are saved. And so uh, this portion of scripture just basically kind of talks about there's nothing that can separate you from the love of God. Um, and also, we had already mentioned about being sons and daughters of God. Once you're a son and daughter of God, that you are a joint heirs with Christ, which if you start to think about the concept of that, it's just incredible, which blows my mind. I always go back to also the song, Jesus paid it all, mm-hmm. all to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain, he washed it white as snow. And believers need to remember that Jesus paid it all. It is all to him I owe. And that's what I think about. And it's hard to, to continue to maintain that thought process in our, in our heads. But if you ever doubt, if you ever start to think, well, am I saved or not? Um, I would say to remember it, uh, that song, and Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. Mm-hmm. Um, sin had left a crimson stain. He washed it white as snow. And so that's one of the things I would say as well. Um, so any other thoughts about uh, uh, what you would say to someone who still isn't sure 
that, that they are going to heaven when they die, what would you say to them? Basically, you know, just uh, allow God to speak to you that there is nothing we can do humanly and accept the gift that he gave. Amen. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's just nothing we can do. I can, I can give all my money away. I can do all these things. And it, and it talks about that in the Bible. But where's my heart? Do I am I exactly? Uh, and and the love I have because of what Christ does will hopefully show in my life. Mm -hmm. I mean, if there's um, if if I look at a person and uh, can I say that person's a Christian? And hopefully, if someone looked at me, they would be able to tell yes. by the way I carry myself, by the way I, the things I do. But it's not. It's not that I'm doing anything on my own. It's just that how God's yeah, working through me. Yeah, it's really tough. But yeah, also just trust the truth of the scriptures. Right. I mean, uh, you know, when it comes down to it, and when you when you when you're when you might doubt yourself, don't doubt the scripture. The scripture's clear, and remember that the scripture is clear, regardless of whether what Satan's telling you or what you what you're conjuring up in your own head. Remember what the what the scripture says, and rest on that truth. And what, just from what you were saying earlier, it reminded me of a saying that said, it's not who I am, it's whose I am. Ah, amen. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. That's good. So what would you say in leading someone to Christ, bringing them to the state of, belief, of being saved and knowing it? What would be your method of, of uh, and you, kind of, you might have already alluded to it, but what would you say to that? Well, first of all, to even find out where a person's at is to ask. Mm -hmm. And then, uh, again, ask the question. Is this something that you want in your life? Uh, I've had people in uh, services when I was at the jail who you could just tell they were ready. And, and all you had to do was ask. Uh, so being sensitive enough mm -hmm. to the people around you and be able to ask the question so that they then can make that step. Mm -hmm. uh, because sometimes it's just as simple as asking. They might have been prepped by all these people that went before. Yeah. Uh, but the other side of that is you might be a part of the step, maybe not the final step. Mm -hmm. You might be just one of the steps in between. Mm -hmm. And not to, not to get upset if they don't make that step right when you ask the question uh, because they may not be fully prepared at that point. Uh, so when I go out to the, when I'm talking to guys at the jail, uh, I will ask them at times, you know, if they've, ever um, made a step of faith and some of them have not and aren't ready i don't try to force them to do it mm -hmm. because it needs to be something they do because they want to not because they felt like i wanted them to mm -hmm. or, or that i expect i mean it's right it has to be their decision to right. do it right and uh i'm comfortable enough that god will bring the right person at the right time uh that it's not if they don't say yes to me, they're not, they're not, uh, it's not personal. Right. Exactly. About you. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, and it is about what will happen that will bring him to that point. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I can, I can do more harm than good if I try to push it on I mean, them. Yes. Uh, hopefully, yeah. uh, yeah, share it with them is. Uh, That's really good. I really like, uh, I really like that. And there are times though, um, when I look at it, it, that I'm not really ready for it. I mean, sometimes it comes out of the blue. Uh, the examples that you're talking about is you are going into a situation where that is a possibility. Mm -hmm. So you may already be prepared for that possibility. Uh, but there are times when uh, 
you know, the, the, that it comes out of nowhere and you have to be ready and how to respond. And so for me, I try to, I try to keep it simple and I try to do it in love. And uh, what, one of the things I was taught is the ABCs. You may have heard this mm-hmm. where uh, admit, believe, and confess. If you are taken off guard, you're doing your, your, your daily thing. And then all of a sudden you're called to either lead someone to Christ or explain something to him about salvation. I automatically default to the ABCs. Admit that you are a sinner. Believe that Jesus died for you, and confess that you, you know, um, confess to Him. Uh, so the ABCs that that is a default for me. Um, uh, sometimes you can have uh, more preparation, or sometimes you can begin to think more on it uh, before something like that happens. But it's always nice to. The, the Bible tells you to be prepared in season and out of season. And when you're not prepared and something uh, comes um, comes on you like that, you have to have something ready to we say. Had, we had a guy come to our church. Oh, this was probably 20-some years ago. But uh, he talked about uh, a simple way for someone, even if they really don't know the Bible all that well or if they haven't been around faith that long. And what he did was he took a Bible and... He opened up to Romans 3.23. He happened to be using Roman Road. So opened to 3.23. And with the Bible sitting, so if I'm the person that he's talking to, I'm reading the Bible. But upside down to me and right side up to him at the top of the page, he wrote Romans 6.23. And then when you got to Romans 6.23, he wrote the next scripture. And then all the way through. So you only have to know one verse. Okay. If you can get to that one verse. It, It... Brings you along to the next verse. Exactly. That's really cool. Uh, and so that way, someone who hasn't uh, had a lot of experience going through this would be able to do it and feel comfortable that, oh, I just have to remember that one That's verse. That's cool. And I, I also think that um, those out there who have never led someone to Christ or is afraid of it should probably even Google Romans Road. That's a very common way uh, to lead sure. someone to Christ. So um, that's a, that's a, that was what I, as a good example, a good idea to do. And one last thing is that and you had alluded to this as well, is that is the Father who leads others unto himself and not you. So in John 6, 44, it says, No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up at the last day. So if we remember that it's not about us, um, yes, we want to be knowledgeable. Yes, we want to be loving, and we want to be um, uh, uh, aware of the situation and aware of what, what, what we should say. You mentioned if someone doesn't accept it's not about us or... If someone does, it's not about us. Right. So we really need to understand and remember that as the Father who draws men unto himself. And I think we need to be ready in season and out of season. I think those are the two things I would think. Well, one of the things that we can do, uh, and uh, my wife and I had been through a program at our church uh, talking about sharing your faith. And there were five basic questions. And they were, uh, you know, what's your, uh, what was your first uh, initiation with God? What was the thing that uh, caused you to really think about it? I know I'm being a sinner, and but there were five, just basically five questions, and I use that out to the jail, and I'll set it up and I'll say, okay, guys, take about ten minutes and, and go through these questions, and it is dead silent, <laughs> and then uh, I'll say, okay, now get with one of the other guys and have one person ask, what's your faith story, and then share the answer to those questions. And then when you're done, turn it around. And I'll say, take about 10 minutes to do that. And about 20 minutes later, I'm like, no, guys, we really do need to get back together. And the, vo- the volume goes way up. 
uh, and you can tell it's like a joyous noise. Uh-huh. And these guys are really enjoying sharing their faith. But do that and practice that occasionally so that when the opportunity comes, it's natural. It flows out of you. Uh-huh. It's not something that you have to, I don't have to have a lot of things right. with me. I don't have to have it specifically this way. It's just a story that flows out of me. I think that's great. I mean, I think it's a great idea that we should be prepared and have something that flows easily. I also like the idea of, of storytelling. Right. Um, where you can just, I mean, in the Bible, a lot of times when someone were, was trying to convince someone of something, they just told the story. They didn't try and convince, they just told the story, and the story convinced the person listening. So um, that's another way uh, to be to, to uh, lead someone to Christ, is just to tell them your story. And, and of course, uh, there are things in the Bible that need to be pointed out, but I think that uh, authenticity is one of the things that will draw people unto the Lord that God can use to draw people unto himself. And he may use your, your personality um, that may be different than someone else's personality. Uh, there is no one perfect way uh, and one perfect thing to say to lead someone to Christ. Well, in fact, I tell the guys, there is somebody that needs to hear your story. Mm. Not my story, not the guy next to you. They need to hear your story. And it's interesting because when I'm in a, just on Tuesday nights and we're just talking and there'll be a group of guys and sometimes we'll get on a, a spiritual topic, and I'll just kind of back up and watch the guys from the pod talk because they can talk to their fellow inmates in a way that I can't. Mm-hmm. And it's just neat to see them use the gifts that God's given them, even in a situation where they're not necessarily where they yeah. want to be. Amazing. It's amazing how God can just use willing people to do His, to do his, his will. So what does the method of becoming saved say about God? I think the big thing for me is it said he cares about us so much uh, that he would sacrifice his son. And when I think about that, and I have two sons and two daughters, and as much as I love you and and all these (laughs) other people, I would not sacrifice any of my children for you. Mm -hmm. And yet God did that for us. Uh And uh, yeah, it's it's hard to fathom at times, Mm -hmm. but... uh, Definitely appreciate it. Definitely. I mean, it says to me the same thing. It says grace, that he did all the heavy lifting for us, because we already know that it, that death has to occur for mm-hmm. us to be in right relationship with God, and he did all the work, and we didn't have to do really anything. And Jesus paid it all, like the song says. And uh, I think that God's plan for salvation is the only way a sinful man can come into the presence of a holy God, and and God did all that work for us, and, and that is is amazing. And that's what I think every believer, why people are believers and why they are so dedicated to Christ is because of the method. It's not something we have to do, we have to work for, we have to um, go through a a rigorous process or anything. Uh, He did the the heavy lifting for us. What's interesting, you mentioned the word grace, and there was an acrostic I heard one time, and it said, God riches at Christ's expense. Ah. And... uh, when I think about all the other great religions of the world, uh, it seems like there's an element of having to earn mm-hmm. your way, mm-hmm. uh, however their whatever their final uh, destination is. And Christianity is unique in that God provided that way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's still hard to wrap the mind around, which is why I still think that some people struggle with the with the doubt. I mean, it's it's human nature to think that you need to earn something. I mean, even in our culture. You earn a living, you know, to, to pay for your bills or whatever. I mean, nothing comes for free. We are taught that as humans. Um, and so when you come across something so significant like uh, eternal salvation, uh, it, it 
breaks our minds sometimes to, uh, to try and come to terms with the idea that really it is a gift and, uh, and we don't have to earn it, and even though we are living in a culture and, uh, that we basically have to earn everything. Well, it's interesting you say earn it, though, because really everything that we have is not ours. <laughs> we are stewards. Mm-hmm. We get to use it for a while, but ultimately we don't own it. Yeah. We think we do. We <laughs> act as we do, but we you don't. Can't, you can't take it with you anyway. Absolutely. So what are the takeaways that will help us become more hardcore in our faith from this episode of Hardcore Christianity? That was interesting. This has been a, uh, the last week and a half or so has been interesting with some of the things that have gone on. Uh, and I think specifically the uh, Kobe Bryant and uh, his passing uh, that uh, I've seen different interviews and as much and as hard as it was to have that happen, uh, some of the guys he played ball with, uh, other people in the news, start talking about thinking about things a little differently, taking life a little more seriously, uh, appreciating the the things that happen in life, uh, mm-hmm. being kinder to our fellow man, mm-hmm. uh, asking forgiveness for the things that we've done, things that you don't necessarily hear about a lot, but as as famous as Kobe was, he got people thinking about that. If that helicopter had gone down and Kobe Bryant, forgetting all the other people, then there were eight other people on there, had gone down without Kobe, you probably would never right, have heard of exactly. it. It might have been a little blip in the news, but that's mm-hmm. it. But because of who he was, uh, it brought attention to it and how we should all really be taking life seriously and, and really appreciating and being willing to ask forgiveness, uh, being kind, all those things that mm-hmm. go with it. I did hear one story because I don't know a lot about Kobe's faith. I know that um, Rob Palenka, who is was his agent, uh, mm-hmm. was uh, the godfather for one of his children. And I had heard that the day before the crash, or the day of the crash, I'm not sure which it was, that Kobe had gone to, there was a Catholic church in here, and he'd gone to pray. And, uh, and I, again, I don't know his faith background, but um, to... To take a, a situation like that, and again, as terrible as it is, to be able to pull something good from that, and uh, I, I've seen that in any time we've had catastrophes in our country, uh, whether it be a hurricane or a, a 9-11 or anything like that, that for a period of time, people are very open to talking about faith mm-hmm. and uh, praying, but it only lasts for a short period of time. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we need to make sure that we continue to think about those things and not just for that period of time, but recognize that we need this for the rest of our lives. It's not something that is a one time and we're done Mm -hmm, with it. Definitely. I think another takeaway is that I think it is our responsibility to lead people to Christ in a way that is in line with the Bible, because we are his ambassadors. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 20, it says, Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God were pleading through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf to be reconciled to God. And it's like it's our our job to implore others to be reconciled to God, and uh, it is our responsibility to be able to take it seriously enough that we can have a, a, a ready prepared answer. And so I think that um, not only should we be ready, we should be um, active and trying to pursue uh, any way that we can uh, because we are His ambassadors. And then also I would say that there is no one way or right way to lead others to Christ, but there are several wrong ways, and so that we should know the Scripture and always do it in love. 
So I do think there are wrong ways to lead people to Christ. And I think that those ways can be fixed by the Lord. I mean, I think he can right. fix it. But I think that um, uh, there are ways that are more effective than others. And if you and if people are led to Christ in a way that is... Um, I don't either bait and switch, you know, to saying sure. you should get one of these, these things, but you do find out that, no, really, I don't get all these things you just told me I was supposed to get. Or if it's just an ignorance and done in, in, in a quick way or whatever, the Holy Spirit can right that ship. But I think that as believers who are ambassadors for Christ, um, it is our responsibility to, to, to try and be prepared and understand and have prepared a way to be able to lead people to Christ. And so it is really an appeal uh, to unbelievers that we are uh, called to do. So that is one of the things that I would say uh, would be my takeaway from this episode of Hardcore Christianity. And one other thing that uh, a sermon I heard quite a few years ago up in Ludington when I was up there, and the title of the sermon was The Church Has Left the Building, and that we are, we are basically uh, God's or Christ's hands and feet mm-hmm. and mouth. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. all those things. Absolutely. Uh, Yep, absolutely. That's a good way to end it. Uh, I want to thank you, the listener, for spending time with us as we explored the question, how do you know for sure that you are saved? I hope you enjoyed the show. Be sure to join us next time as we explore another challenging topic from a Christian worldview. But until then, I encourage you to make every effort to keep your walk hardcore. See you next time. If you'd like to let us know your thoughts about this episode, or if you have an episode topic that you'd like to hear us talk about on the show, feel free to drop us an email at writecmv at hotmail.com. That's W-R-I-T-E-C-M-V at hotmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Hardcore Christianity is produced by KTF Productions. Thanks for listening and God bless.